I got a truckload of announcements here, and so for you to get started, I'd like you to consider pulling out your connection card, this white and blue card here, and it's an opportunity for you to, to uh, reach out to us and for us to get to know you a little bit, and especially if you're, this is your first, second time, we'd really appreciate you filling this out. Give us whatever information you'd like, but on the back also there's opportunity to, to ask us anything or any way we can be of help to you. Okay. While you're doing that, let me jump into some of these, these announcements that we have. Um, we have some special days coming up. You know, all of you know that Christmas is coming up, and so a week from today is our Christmas uh, Sunday service, but Saturday night is Christmas Eve, and we have a Christmas Eve service here. And because Christmas is on a Sunday, and many of you have family traditions on Sunday for, on, on Christmas morning, we decided to have pretty much the same service on Christmas Eve as Christmas Sunday morning. Now, some of you are thinking, oh my goodness, that means if I go to Eve and Sunday morning, I'm going to see the same thing? Probably so. Uh, not exactly, but it'd be close. And so know that both services, the Christmas Eve service and the Christmas morning service, are abbreviated services. They'll probably be somewhere around 45 minutes. But we want to let you know that so you can plan your day because it's such an important day for many of us in regards to tradition and family. So keep in mind, our Christmas Eve service is at 5.30 p.m. That's Saturday evening. And we end with a candle lighting outside. And then Christmas Sunday service, normal time at 10.30. And know that for the next two Sundays, so it would be Christmas Sunday and also New Year's Sunday, January 1st, there will be no lunch. There will be no food and fellowship those two Sundays. Okay, so Christmas morning and, and New Year's, uh, January 1st morning, there's no food and fellowship time. Also, you saw on the back here, possibly... Uh, if you glanced at this, there's a, we're going to have a New Year's drop-in gathering. And that means that if you are just tired of just sitting on that couch waiting for that ball to drop in New York, and you just like to come and gather, grab some food, uh, just sit around. There's table games. We'll have a, a time of worship, and we'll have a, a, a short film. And we're just going to hang loose with one another, drop in any time you like between 7 and midnight. Go home anytime you like, but it's just a neat place to hang out. And if you'd like to bring something, if you'd like to contribute to um, our potluck uh, uh, food that night, there's going to be a, there's a sign up in our foyer on the table at the end of the, end of the hall. So if you'd like to make something and bring it, just, just put it down there. We won't hold you to it, and if you just want to just come, just come. So that, that's Christmas Eve, Saturday, December 31st. Okay. Another thing. January 21st, January, we're giving you early announcement on this, but January 21st, we're having a congregational meeting. It's really not a meeting. It's a fellowship, kind of a fun time. It's a time to thank you for uh, just your support of the ministry here, but also it's an informational time where we'll talk about things like the pastor's search. We'll talk about uh, just how, some, how the finances and ministries are going, but it's going to be a, um, a time for you to come and we need you to sign up. Uh, there's uh, a certain, certain amount of limited space here. And so uh, you can put, uh, you can, I think you can sign up on the connection card. Is that right, Andrew? On the connection card, or I guess on this, how would they do this? 
drop it in all in the offering. So if you feel this out, you can drop it in the offering, or you can uh, just check your connection card, okay? So that's for a, um, that's a dinner, Saturday, January 21st, 6.30 p.m., the announcement's in your, in your, in your, in your bulletin. Okay. Also, one, uh, another thing. Um, some of you may have noticed out there in the foyer we have our offering boxes. Now, offering boxes just mean there's a set of envelopes. There's an envelope for every uh, Sunday of the year for 2017. Now, some of you use these boxes, some of you don't. It's something that I've just found is a neat way of just systematically uh, helping me give to the Lord in that way. But know that there's a purpose for them from our accounting point of view. Each box has a number. So your name is, cor- is connected to a number, and that makes it faster for our people to record things on the computer. And it means also that if you put anything in that envelope and you, and you put it in the offering bag, you're, they, you don't have to put anything else in regards to, to your name or address or any of that because that number indicates who you are, and they'll just record it as such, and, and uh, that's, that's something you'll get a notice on at the end of the year for tax deduction. So just understand that, and, and there are things on there to mark. And if you don't mark anything, you'll just go into our general fund, and the general fund is, covers the, the main uh, overhead of the expense here of the church and, and, the, and many of the ministries. Okay? And if you don't have a box, and you say, I want a box. Okay, if you want a box, mark it on your connection card, and Andrew will get you a box. Okay? Just mark on your connection card, and we'll get you a box next Sunday before the first Sunday of the, of the, uh, of the new year. All right? Last thing. If you're not getting any church emails, know that we put out a weekly, a weekly email to everyone that's on our church email list. And if you just want to keep up with all the things we're doing, all the, all the new cars we're giving away and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, you've missed out so far, but we're getting into the 2017s now, okay? So mark on your connection card, you know, and just put your email address, and we'll put you on there, and so then every week you'll be getting our church email, okay? And it just kind of keeps you up to date with what's going on, and, and you can ask questions or whatever, but, but if you're not on that list, you're certainly welcome to be on it. Last thing. Thank you for the appreciation gifts uh, for Pastor Corey and myself last Sunday. Thank you very much. Oh, one last thing. There's no, uh, there's no, there's a West Covina Bible study tonight is going to be at the church. The West Covina Bible study tonight at 6.30 at the church for those who would like to attend and those who normally attend. Okay? Oh, my. I feel like I should sit down now. You know, I love Christmas. Let's get into it. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can come together and we can get into your word and we can, we can re- renew our minds about this incredible story that you have uh, for us to just keep on year after year. You remind us of this incredible act of love of sending your son to be born for us. So, Lord, bless this time and we pray that the Holy Spirit will just uh, speak to us and bring truth to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you know, I have four females in my house, okay? I have a wife and three daughters. Even my dogs are female. But I see more love story movies 
in my house than I would normally choose to. You know? Now, when you think of love stories, think about it. What is the, the greatest love story in the world? Maybe Romeo and Juliet, huh? That kind of comes to mind. Maybe more recently, maybe Titanic. You know, the other day my wife was watching a, a, a DVD, and it was a love story called Me Before You. Oh, some of you saw it. You know, when I heard that, when I heard that title, I thought it was talking about how my kids spend money. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, you know, when we, when we think about love stories, and I shouldn't have to remind you of this, but I'm going to, that the greatest love story for the believer has to be Christmas. Christmas has to be the greatest love story if you really do understand what Christmas is about. Here's, look at what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. He wrote this to the believers in Corinth, and he said, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us, his children, by the Holy Spirit. So when you meet people who don't know a thing about the meaning of Christmas and the birth of Christ, it's because, hey, they haven't crossed that line yet in believing that this is from God, that Christmas is really about his son coming to earth. But for those who do know, hey, it is the greatest story ever told. It is the story that should touch our hearts in a way that says, man, you are important. We're going to review the story in Matthew. Now, Matthew's about the, the magi, the wise men. You know, you see it on all these Hallmark cards and stuff, and we're going to get into it this morning. It's just a classic, classic Christmas story. You know, it's like we're going to bring that Hallmark card to life today. So if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 2, and we're just going to get into this story, and hopefully it will come to life for you. Matthew chapter 2. Right at the beginning. Let me read verse 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. It says Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You know, you hear that so often. What's the big deal about that? You know, the big deal is that, 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 that the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, had to come through the line of King David. And King David was born in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem. And so Christ, God arranged it for Christ to be born in Bethlehem. The Messiah comes to that. Bethlehem is is just a tiny town. Back in those days, Bethlehem was only about 200 people. Just a tiny little, you know, just a little village. But man, everyone knows Bethlehem today. And we know, you know what it means, Bethlehem? House of bread. Isn't that cool? House of bread. It goes on in our, in our text, Magi from the east. You know, Magi, who were they? What does that mean, Magi? In some ways, it's a nice way of saying pagan priests. Yeah. But they look to nature. They look to the stars. They're looking for the supernatural in nature and, and, and trying, to, trying to find the things that are unusual, that, that the supernatural were talking to them. You know, and that isn't, 
a, a new thing. But that's who these Magi were. They were, they were they, some say astronomers, but they're actually probably more like priests. And when we look at them, where they're from, it says the east. We have a map up there. I don't know if this is going to show anything. But most, most world has... Do you guys see that? Ah, you don't see it. This thing... Is this thing even working? Oh, there it goes. you see that? Do you see that? Good. Okay. When they, most historians, most world historians, and these aren't Christians, they look at the Magi most likely from an area that was right in there, and back in those days, it was called Parthia. And Parthia would be right about here. And so they traveled this way across Iran, Iraq, and they came here to Israel. So look at that distance. That's most likely where they came from. And these fellas, um, it says here, they said, where is the one born king of the Jews? Now, how in the world would they know this? Most people feel, most of your biblical uh, historians look at this, and they say most likely they learned it through Scripture. There's a possibility there, there, there may have been a, um, a Jewish uh, scholar who was visiting in that area, but most likely the, the Hebrew Scriptures got in the hands, or maybe at that time it really would have been in Greek. You know that the, the Old Testament was written mainly in Hebrew, and then later on it was translated into the Greek, what they call the Septuagint. But anyway, they got their hands on this, most likely, and they read different verses, and one of the verses could have come out of the book of Numbers. Now, Numbers, you say, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, you know, it's one of the five first books of the Bible. Why is that important? Because that's the Torah. If you have a Jewish friend, if they mention the Torah, that's the first five books of our Bible. And they're all written by Moses. And so Numbers was written way back 1,400 years before Christ was born. Actually, Numbers was written about 40 years after the Exodus. Isn't that kind of cool? Think about that. After the actual Exodus of Israel leaving Egypt, about 40 years after that, Numbers was written. And this is what it says in one verse. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. In other words, a scepter, a staff of a king. So they put this together, and, and they're thinking, wow, the star. And so what God did is he put all the pieces together for these, these guys who are called the Magi. He put, the, he put that glimmering thing in the sky that was extraordinary, and they caught, they caught notice of it. And God brought to their minds the things that they knew about reading in, the, in, the, in, in, the, in uh, uh, Israel's scriptures, and they said, my goodness, there has to be a king. A king is being born now. The star shows it. We have to follow it. So they had the means. Somehow they were connected with royalty, and they had the means to just take off and go worship this new king. You know, when we think about it, God is always trying to draw attention to himself through nature. Through the details of his creation, like your bodies. The things that, that go on to make you who you are are just extremely detailed and, and complex. The beauty, if you travel around and you see the beauty of things like the Grand Canyon and, and incredible sights that are just naturally there, you know, Paul says this. 
Paul says in Romans that God uses nature to, to reveal himself. He did it back then with the Magi. He does it today. And just like back in those days, there are still people who don't believe. But God is always trying. He's always trying to bring it together for us to see. At least grab our attention. Okay, let's go on. Let's go on with our text here. So these Magi, they're boom, they are excited. They're ready to go. Look at verse 3 and 4. When King Herod heard this, Remember, he, they, got, they said, where is the king of the Jews? They came into Jerusalem. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. You guys know that Christ is, is actually is the same word uh, synonymous with Messiah, right? When you hear the word Messiah, Christ, One's Hebrew, one's Greek, anointed one. So they're saying, hey, where's this guy? And it says, when Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Why would he be disturbed? Why would Herod be as disturbed when they say, hey, where's this, where's this king? Well, for one thing, he was guilty. Herod was guilty that he knew he shouldn't be king. He shouldn't be king. Herod was not a true Jew. Herod, because of political reasons, converted to Judaism just to gain power. He was actually born an Edomite. An Edomite was just a natural enemy of the Jews. So the Jewish people never accepted truly Herod as their king. And Herod was kind of a, a, a lousy ruler. So they didn't like him for his lousy, being a lousy ruler, but also he wasn't a true Jew. Now the king is scared. Why is that? He's upset. Because here's the true king, the Messiah, the Christ, the one that God has sent. And Herod knew, I shouldn't be here. And he was upset. He was really mad. And, the, and it says that the people were upset also in the kingdom. Why would that be? Well, think about it. When the king is mad, everyone gets upset. Just think about North Korea. Who's that guy's name? What's that guy's name? Kim Jong-un. And when he gets upset, everyone's shaking. He starts blowing people away with cannons and stuff. You know, so, so they knew the king was upset, so the whole kingdom was upset too. And he asked them where the Christ was to be born. So he got his wisest men together and said, where is this Christ to be born? And his wise men quoted Micah 5.2. And, the, and the, the writings of Micah were written 700 years before Christ was born. So let's read what they, what they found out here. In Micah 5.2, we, we see in verse 6. This is a quote out of there. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means last among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. God, 700 years before Christ was born, he's telling Israel, be ready. I'm sending my king. And Herod, if we look on, if we look on at verse, at verse 9, 
Let's see, I thought, well, let's go to six, uh, six. Let's look at seven. Seven and eight. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And he didn't want to worship him. He wanted him dead. Herod just wanted to eliminate the competition for the throne, right? So, but look at verse 9. It says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now, why is that so strange? Look at, let's look at the, at the map again. Here's a different map, and we see where the, Jerusalem right here is where this is all taking place. Bethlehem is right below it. It's roughly about five miles between Jerusalem to Bethlehem. The thing that's neat about this is that the, it says that the Magi were all excited because they saw the same star that was going from east to west, which is normal for stars, right? They travel east to west. But here's the same star going from north to south. It's God. It's a miraculous thing. The star going north to south to what? Show them, to show them where Christ is. And what does it say here? If we look at verse 10, it says in verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. See, by seeing the star, they had confidence that they would find the king. Now, let me pause here a little bit, because as I read this story, there's something we should just kind of connect with. When we read this short part of the story, we see four common reactions to Jesus. Think about the people you know. Think about people you love. Think about people you would love to see come to know Jesus. Herod, he, had, he was troubled. And why? Because he didn't want to give up the throne. Do you know people who think about Christianity, and maybe even those who are in church, that say, you know what? I want to live my life my way. I'm not going to give up the throne of my life. I'm going to do it all my way. And see, you can have salvation in, in Christ, but the thing is, is that he wants lordship in your life. Lordship in the life is you're going to have to allow Christ to come and sit on the throne of your life because where that starts, it starts you thinking, yes, I have someone else over me. I have the God of the universe who has a plan for my life, and I'm willing to follow it. And, and Herod was not willing to do that. When you look at the people, the people were troubled. Why were they troubled? Because we know we have loved ones. When we start talking about religion, when we start talking about things like Jesus and God, there's, there's terms that come up like heaven and hell and death and, and all these different things, and it causes people to have to even face their own mortality. And it can be troubling when you start talking religious stuff, when you start talking about Jesus. And then you have the, the, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They were just completely indifferent. This was just information. And we have people like that too in our lives. People that, it's just another religion. 
In, Jer in Jerusalem at that time, in the Roman Empire, there were over 200 different religions. They're just thinking, hey, this is just another one of them. But then we come to the fourth. We come to the wise men. And it said they were filled with joy. It's just like Pastor Corey's message last week. They're filled with joy. They're just overflowing with joy. And why was that? Because they understood that although this child was in this tiny little itsy-bitsy village of Bethlehem, that this child was, was a king. And they knew it. And they went after him. And they sought to go there and worship him. Let's look at verse 11 and 12 here in, in Matthew chapter 2. 11 and 12, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You notice on coming to the house, see, see, this is after, this is maybe a year or two uh, after, after the birth of Christ in the manger. Now the family's in a house. Now the, the baby is no longer a baby. The baby is a child. And just like Herod found out, you know, this child is, is, is now growing and he has a growing fear of this child being the king. And it's interesting, I just picked up this one thing. Ordinarily, you know, when you have a writing like this, back in those days and even today, it says, they saw the child with the mother Mary. Normally the mother would be, would be listed first, always mentioned first. But this is very clear, that they went to worship Jesus and not Mary. Then it says they presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and myrrh. And this is where the discussion gets very interesting, just this text, because there's so many different ideas of what these gifts could have symbolized or represented. And I just want to conclude with, with just some thoughts on this. Because to me, it's very obvious that these gifts are, are symbolic of how God loves us. The first thing it says, gold represents his kingship. Gold represents that Jesus is the king of kings. You know, when God sent Jesus to the earth, he's basically telling us, you guys need help. I thought about this. I said, yeah, I do. You know, God is saying, you need a king in your life. You need someone who's going to help guide you and, and help put you on the right path. I believe that. I've tried it myself, have you? It doesn't work very well. As God is saying, hey, I'm sending you this wise, forgiving, and powerful king, and you need him. You need to get off that throne, and you need to welcome him onto it. You need that. You need to know how to love your wife. You need to know how to love your kids. You need to know how to live a life that has purpose and fullness. You need to know that, and you won't unless you allow the king to sit on the throne of your life. And when you think about it, when you think of all those neat things, that's what any father wants for his child. That's what the Heavenly Father wants for you. Let's go on. It says incense. They brought incense. 
Incense represents the new life in Christ. You know, incense was something that was burnt in the altar in the temple. And they, what they did, the Israelites, they would, they would burn this incense constantly, and that aroma would fill the temple. So what that meant, if someone came close to the temple door or those who actually entered the temple, that suddenly there's a change. You, you pick up that smell of that incense, and it was to remind them of the life that God wanted them to live. You know, we see this in Paul's writing. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 2.15. Paul wrote, For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Each believer is like the incense of God in the world. Each believer that their life is to be like that aroma of God, to remind those who know Christ and those who have yet to know him that, yes, Christ offers a new life. Christ offers that opportunity for you to hit that reset bunny in life and start over fresh. That may sound like a fairy tale and really stupid, but, man, there are so many incredible testimonies in the history of the church and the world where people believed that, embraced it, and their life changed. That's what God wants. He wants to offer that to us, that new life in Christ, that newness. And then the last thing it says, the myrrh. They gave myrrh. What in the world is myrrh? Well, myrrh was like a perfume, and there was a perfume used in those days to, to prepare bodies. It was used during the process of embalming. And this was a prophetic reminder that Jesus was born to be that sacrificial lamb who takes away what? The sins of the world. Your sins, my sins. Anyone who believes in him as the one who died on that cross. Amen. Let's read. Let's, let's conclude here with Romans 5, 7-8. Great verses here. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, wrote these words in chapter 5, 7 and 8. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And what more does God have to do to prove his love to you. So when you look at the story, this neat little Christmas story, it's basically seeing Jesus was born in Bethlehem to be our king, give us a new life, and he all did it all through his death. You know, the last verse there that I read, talking about the Magi, it says, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You know, and I, I read this and I thought, you know, when someone truly understands that incredible love that God has for them, they never go back the old way. Let's pray.
Father, as we are reminded of this incredible story, and we, uh, we just can't help but just, just want to worship you and praise you for the love that you show us in the act of Christmas, the sending of your Son for us, and what that means for us, not only today, but for all eternity. So thank you, Lord. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.